Amen. Welcome. I'll try that again. Welcome. You are welcome here tonight. We're so glad you're here and awake. Um, I just got to say, if you're looking for a Roman series, um, you're not going to get it tonight. You, but you get something better. You're in for a treat tonight. I'm just telling you, you're in for a treat tonight. I have, now listen, I have 82 slides. Is that right, Scrib? How many slides do I have? 82. I have charts and graphs. I have statistics. I have wonderful quotes. I have Bible verses. This is an engineer pastor's dream come true presentation tonight. And I'm so excited about it. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be awesome. So just tell the person next to you. It is going to be awesome. Listen. In the, in the mid-1960s, Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the, of the Packers, and Brian, no comments about the Packers, although kudos, man, they did good last week, right? Nobody else is clapping with you, brother. If I said Broncos, I'm sure there'd be some. Yes, thank you. Listen to this, true story. At the beginning of every season, Vince Lombardi would gather his football players together Talking about the veterans and the rookies, all together in a room, the first practice of the spring. And he would get them together and he'd hold up a football like this. And he would say, Men, this is a football. And we play a game called football where there's two objectives. The first objective is we take this ball across our opponent's goal line to score points. Second objective, keep our opponent from doing the same thing. And the one with the most points wins. He was talking to professional football players who have played football since they were little kids. Did they need to be reminded that this is a football? Did you think some of those professional football players went, oh, that's what you call that? I didn't know. Of course not. What he was doing was hit, he was hitting the reset button so that the entire team would be starting on the same page every year. And they built from there, and they won a lot of Super Bowls together with Vince Lombardi. We're going to talk about the football tonight. We're going to talk about the state of the church. We're going to look at where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going. We're going to build on the foundation, and we're going to team Jesus is going to win the Salvation Super Bowl this year. We're involved in something amazing. We got the owner of the team, the father, we got the coach, Jesus, and we got the quarterback, Holy Spirit, on our side. And we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, biblically, when we reset, when we talk about where we're going as a church, and by the way, if you're new with us, this is the best night you could have come. It really is. Because you're going you're to understand who we are, what we're about, what the basics of what we're trying to do. And if you've been coming for a while, you're going to be reminded. Because sometimes in the midst of all that happens in a church, we can get clouded and go, what are we, we're, I'm just going to another meeting or I'm just doing this. No, we have a vision and a mission. Amen. And you're going to hear about it tonight. So this is a good night to come. Um, when we reset as a church, we always start with vision. Okay, uh, we're looking at the state of the church. We start with a vision. In the Bible, it says where there's no vision, the people perish. Other versions say where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. If, if, you're, if you don't have a vision for a football game, if there's no rules, if there's no understanding of what the game's about, you just put a bunch of guys with pads and a football, throw it in the middle, there's chaos. As a church, we start with vision. So I'm going to share some of my favorite vision quotes here. Andy Stanley says, vision is painting a picture of a preferred future. What does our future look like? What are we shooting for? What's a victory for our church? And vision paints that picture. That's what I want to do for you tonight. Here's another good quote from author Jonathan Swift. He said, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Seeing it even though it's unseen, knowing where you're going. John Scully, one of the co-founders of Apple Macintosh Computers, said the future belongs to those who see possibilities before they become 
obvious. Now, what's funny about this, funny story, is that uh, before John Scully uh, joined the team Apple years ago, back in the 80s, he was the CEO of PepsiCo Company, huge company, Pepsi, Cola, and all their products. He was the CEO, huge office, unbelievable amount of money, very comfortable, until one day a man walked into his, his office named Steve Jobs. Walked into his office and pitched him with the idea of putting a personal computer in everyone's home. By the way, that was not the case at that time. Personal computers were not on everybody's desk. They were huge. They were in huge, massive rooms with cards that you had to put in there. And this was, this was an incredible idea. So he pitched it to John Scully, the, the then CEO of PepsiCo. John Scully listened to his vision, his pitch, and uh, he was not impressed. And he just basically looked at Steve Jobs and said, you know... I appreciate your passion, but I'm not really interested. I've got a good job here. Why would, I, why would I leave all this for my comfort and I'm secure? Why for some startup that I'm not, you know, I just don't know if it's going to work. At which time we're told that Steve Jobs slammed his fist on the desk. He said, John, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? The rest is history, as they say. John Scully quit his job, joined what became Apple, and changed the entire world. The entire world has been changed by Apple computers, has it not? Listen, I'm not interested in selling sugar water as a church. I hope you aren't either. We are on mission. We have a job to do. Church, we have a job to do. I I don't want to play church and get comfortable. I have a godly discontentment for where we're at right now. You hear what I said? I'm content, but it's a godly discontentment. I'm glad and I rejoice in what God's done, but there's so much more to do. And we can do it together. And God wants us to. Because we're going to change the world. We are on world Mission, men and women, listen. Uh, we have a vision statement. And the mission statement that hasn't changed in 25 years and it won't change, I trust, in the next 25 years. I know some dear churches that their mission and vision, vision changes as often as they change your furnace filters. I mean, it just changes all the time. We have the same one. And it does a pastor's heart good if the members of our church remember what our vision statement is and what our mission statement is. And I know you do, so you're going to say it with me without me even showing you. Um, The vision statement is the big picture of what we're all about, changing the world, and it starts with one life. That's what it starts with. I'll give you that clue. So you're going to say it with me on three. You ready? One, two, three. One life at a time, one world in our lifetime. Now, everybody say it with me. One life at a time, one world in our lifetime. If you're new with us, let me just break the news to you. We are on mission to conquer the world with the love of Jesus Christ. We want the whole world to have what we have. We don't want anyone to go to hell. We don't want anyone to suffer eternity apart from Jesus Christ. And they don't have to. We have the good news. We have the gospel. That's our vision. That's the what. That's what we're all about. We, we want to reach the world. How are we going to do it? One life at a time. You reaching your neighbor, telling your neighbor about Jesus, telling a coworker, telling a friend, telling a, a family member about Jesus. You doing that one life at a time. If we do that, eventually we will reach the world. We teach them to do the same thing. We're on world mission. That's our vision. I love how vision makes things a reality. Great example with uh, Walt Disney and Disneyland. Uh, In in the good old days when Disney had family values, in that time um, with Walt Disney, uh, he had already created Disneyland in California, and it was a great success. Uh, Then he went to Florida and saw a big old swamp and said, Oh, I think we should do it here too. Let's build this thing called Disney World. 
okay? And they did. They turned a swamp into Disney World in Orlando. Now, right before they opened Disney World in Orlando, unfortunately, Walt Disney died right before the grand opening. And at the grand opening, some of the administrators and executives of Disney were in a party. They were, they were looking out over the grounds and, and, and just realizing what an amazing thing just happened. They just opened Disney World. And somebody spoke to the creative uh, director at that time. Uh, his name is Mike Vance of Disney and said to Mike Vance, you know, it's just such a shame that Walt wasn't here to see it. And Mike Vance, the creative director, looked at him and said, well, um, he did see it. That's why it's here. And isn't that true? Vision brings dreams to reality. He saw it. He knew what it was going to look like. And it became a reality. We have a vision. One life at a time. And then we're going to reach the world. We're on world mission. Because Jesus told us we are on world mission. Now, how do we do that? that? That's our mission statement. Our vision is to reach the world. Uh, how we do it is our mission statement. And we know our mission statement, don't we, church? It starts with win, the word win, W-I-N. And you're going to say it with me loud, those of you that know it. Ready? One, two, three. Ready? One, two, three. Win the lost, build a believer, send the sanctified. Everybody say it with me. Win the lost, Build a believer, send the sanctified. How are we going to reach the world? By winning lost people to Christ. Number two, building them up, teaching them how to read their Bibles, how to pray, how to have fellowship, how to work with conflict with one another. And then we're going to send them out. We're going to teach them how to evangelize and get out and share it with other people. Send them out. We're not going to sit, soak, and rot here. We've got to go out and tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ that has affected our lives. So we're going to win, build, and send. In fact, we have a little saying among the pastors, as we're planning, everything we do has to fit in this filter. We have a little saying, if it's not win, build, or send, let it end. When we're talking about doing an event, we say, well, is, it, is that a win event or is that a build event? Or is it neither? Then we shouldn't do it. Is it a send and we categorize all that we do through this filter because we believe this is how we're going to reach the world at this church. So one life at a time, one world in our lifetime, we're going to do it by winning the lost, building the believer, and sending the sanctified. That's what we're going to do. So we need to remember that. And I'm so encouraged that so many of you remember that. That, that honestly just blesses our hearts. So what I want to look at tonight are three keys that will help us Build that foundation to win the Super Bowl this year, okay? Spiritually speaking, three keys. We're going to look at where we've been, and this is going to be fun again. Remember you said that? It's going to be awesome. We're going to look at the past. We're going to look at where we're at and where we're going. And we have a cool initiative that I'm going to introduce tonight that you're, you're going to be able to be a part of. So let's pray. Let's ask God to bless this time. Lord, we thank you so much that you call us into a mission you don't call us just to sit and do nothing or just be comfortable. And we could be comfortable here, God, but we're not. We, 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 are on mission. we want to be on mission for you. We want to make hay for you. We want to change the world because you're worth it, Jesus. Help us to do that. I pray that you would have many join us tonight. Many say, I want in on that. Many join us tonight. Many understand what God's called the Rock Church Ministries to do. Pray that you would help us tonight. Again, you're worth it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, three keys to success in 2024. First one is we're going to remember the past. If you have your handout, there's some blanks. You can follow along if you want to. Fill in the blanks. We're going to remember the past. You know, you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. I've been a Boy Scout leader for many, many years. You can just throw somebody a compass, but if you don't know where you're at on the map, it doesn't do you much good. It can point to north, and you can say, well, I can go north, I guess. But until you know where you're at on the map, the compass doesn't do you a lot of good. Once you understand where you're at, then all of a sudden you can orient the map, and you can find your way to where you want to go. we got to look back at where we've been. 
Jesus, we know this as far as the past, Jesus had one mission, and that was to seek and save the lost. Like it says in Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking about himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That's what God's called us to do. I've been doing that for 43 years now. I got saved 43 years ago. I've been doing it 30-some years as a pastor. And, and this is what I live for. In fact, this week I met with a sweet man uh, at my office, apart from my house, Rich's Bagels on Highland. And we talked, and, and he wanted to get together. And I, I didn't know him very well, but I got to know him. And basically what he was saying was, how do I become born again? I hear you talk about that. How do I, I, I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. I want to know him. How can I do that? And I started weeping. I said, you are why I came to Utah. You are why I'm here. This is what I'm giving my life for, to help people like you find Jesus. And it's true. This is what God's called all of us to do, to seek and save the lost. What else is worthy of your time? One mission, seek and save the lost. And we understand that our mission will drive what we do. I don't care if it's your mission is to make a lot of money. It will drive what you do. If, if it's sports, if it's golf, it will drive what you do. If it's getting lots of sex, it will drive what you do. What are you living for? I love the story of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. He's got a, a great beard. That, that dude is a good-looking dude right there. At one point, he was, he, he was asked to come and have a private audience with the King of England in the mid-1800s, King Edward VII, and he was, had audience with him. And during that meeting, the king awarded uh, William Booth with an award for being so passionate about helping the poor. And the king asked William Booth during that meeting, he said, what is, what is it that drives you? What keeps you so passionate about helping the poor? Now, I don't know what you think he would have said. Maybe, you know, it's just something I, I've grown into and I, I like doing that. It makes me feel good, whatever. No, this was his response. He said, your majesty, some men's passion is for art. Some men's passion is for fame. My passion is for souls. He had a mission that Jesus had. And that we have is to seek and save the lost. So last year, how'd we do with our wind build sin? I'm just going to talk about some highlights. God has done, no doubt about it. God's done some amazing things at the rock. I'm just going to bullet point through a bunch of things. A reminder, some of you will remember what we've been involved with. Some of you will go, oh, I forgot about that. Uh, let's just go through them. First of all, our attendance. And I'm just going to be honest about numbers. You say, why are you so concerned about numbers? Well, number one. I'm an engineer, so I like numbers, okay? So, and then I like to say that uh, we count people because people count. We are interested in seeing, seeing lots of people come to know Jesus. So our attendance last year grew by 15% from 22 to 23 up to about 941. So you ready for this? I'm going to show you a chart. And charts are always a good idea. Why? Just because they are. Okay, charts are good ideas anytime you're teaching. Here's a great chart that Josh Whitney, credit to Josh Whitney. Give me this chart. Uh, this is our attendance from two, January of 2019 till today. And it's a monthly, the dots are monthly averages. It's not weekend, it's a monthly average. And you see, we were rocking and rolling uh, pretty heavy right there in 2019 until what hit? COVID hit. And we actually shut down. It, it was... I think we learned a lot. I don't think we'll do that again. I think we learned a lot. That was devastating. Um, so you can see, this is a really interesting chart. You see the peaks? There's, there's a few peaks in there. You know what those correspond to? Those are our Easter months, every one of them. And what I did, I did a little, I got this spreadsheet out that Josh sent me. I did a little math this, uh, this afternoon. And it turns out that our typically, except for the COVID shutdown, Typically, our Easter month attendance is what we average the whole next year. So those spikes are what we end up going to and plateauing off. So when we measure our Easter attendance for the month, like this year, it was over 1,000. This next year, 2024, I expect that we'll have over 1,000 people every, on average for the year, which is kind of cool. And we are definitely on that upward trend 
which is very cool. So God's at work. We should be excited about this. We were completely shut down, and God has slowly built it back up to where we're now over where we were before COVID as far as an average. So God is good. Attendance is going well. Finances, we're in the black again this year, which is amazing. We don't make a big deal out of money. We don't pass a hat. We don't ask for money. We tell you when there's a need, but we don't beg money. We just say, hey, hey, there's a need. Here it is. And tonight I'm going to share a need with you, which I'm excited about. We have a box in the back and people put money in there and it takes care of all our needs and more. And we were in the black as a church this year. Not only that, this past year, this church, through your donations, not only paid all their bills and we're in the black, we also gave away almost a quarter million dollars. $200,000. Amen. The Bible says this. A generous man will prosper. I believe that applies to churches as well. We believe that you are in a very... We, we see the generosity of all of you, and we reflect that. We try to be very generous. Uh, in fact, I want to drill down on this a little bit. This $206,000 that we gave away last year, we gave it to missions, to benevolence, to cares, which is just helping people who are in need, uh, gifts to people who have special needs, partnerships, all outside of our organization, meaning we didn't benefit from it. We gave away $206,000 in a 12-month period and still we're in the black for the year. God is amazing. Um, over the last five years, we've given over $900,000 away in five years. This little church, because of your generosity. In the past 10 years, we've given $1.7 million away in 10 years. That would pay, our, that would pay off our loan right now. But you know what? I don't care. I want to be generous. <laughs> Your pastors want to be generous, and we are. And I think, guys, honestly, I think that's a generous man will prosper. I think that's why God is blessing our church, one of the reasons. Because we are determined that we're going to be generous. We're going to give away a portion of what God gives us. Isn't that cool? I just think, I never would have guessed that this little church could have, be able to give away that much money. So our finances are doing great. Um, Salvations. There were, this number, guys, it's hard to keep track of everybody with names. Um, over 50 people that we know for sure. I mean, there were over 50 people that responded to my gospel presentation at Christmas. I mean, so I know it's way more than 50 people that got saved, okay? Um, we know of 45 people for sure that we baptized. I know there are other baptisms outside uh, of just baptizing people here. Um, men's night, ladies' night, each one kicked off with over 140 people at each event, and, it, and attendance is held strong. So don't let the attendance go down, guys. Come tomorrow night, or Monday night, not tomorrow, but Monday night. Small groups had over 45 different small groups to pick from last year. That's huge. Think about that. 45 different opportunities for you to pick a small group that you think would be helpful to you. Mission to the city. We had 25 projects and over 300 volunteers from our church that for 10 days served our city with different projects. That's fantastic. Rocktoberfest. We had over 1,100 people that joined us in October for Rocktoberfest, and you had some awesome outfits and costumes. That was really good this year. Uh, M28, we had our faith camp last year. Remember that? We had over 750 come to Alamosa, Colorado, and many, many from the Rock Church. We had all of our uh, association of churches join us, but that was a good time. Parenting conference we hosted. Had over 70 families in attendance right here. Uh, Short-term missions, we sent a team to Romania and to Italy last year. And we're going to go uh, to a number of places this year. If you're interested, missionaries, we sent the Wish family out last year to the Congo. Long-term, they're there long-term. All-church camp out, we had over 200 families from the Rock Church. We just went camping one weekend and, and had over 200 families. That's always a good time. Uh, the Missions Gala raised over $31,000 for missions, just to, to feed our mission fund to be able to help people go out on missions. And our CARES ministries as well. It also feeds our CARES ministries. Youth group, the Easter bake sale raised almost $10,000. What? If you, if you don't know how our bake sales here work, because you've all been involved in bake sales, here's how we do bake sales at The Rock. Here's how, we, here's how we roll, okay? You go to the store and you buy the stuff, okay? You come home and then you bake it. And then you bring it and then you rebuy it <laughs> for large amounts of money. The very thing that you just baked. 
And we raised $9,000 for our youth groups so they could go to their leadership conference, which is fantastic. Operation Christmas Child, this church filled 526 Christmas shoe boxes to send around the world. Yes, amen. Mental Health Matters uh, was a resounding success this year, and they're still doing it this year, and Josh's creation class is still going on every other Wednesday night. Those are great uh, opportunities for you to join. Uh, the Meals Ministry delivered over 300 meals to people who were hurting or needed meals in their families. I mean, we have such a generous, amazing, incredible church. I'm so honored and blessed to be a part of it. Let's give you guys a round of applause for what you did. And, man, and we also have amazing, don't we have amazing worship? Think about it. We, we have uh, the rock music, and I've asked Steele to come up and share a little bit about the rock music, but... I just was on the Rock Music website. If you go to the uh, rockmusic.org, we have, these guys have created over 27 albums or EPs of original worship music for this church. Now, now, do you realize how hard, do you know of anybody else that does that? These guys, they, they, they are professionals and they go into studio and they record original music. We are so blessed and steel. And now Caleb, you guys are leading this together. You guys are killing it. Love it so much. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Well, let me just start by saying just real briefly that it's an honor to be one of your worship leaders and pastors. My name is Steele Crossway, and I do also want to just point out that Caleb Yetton helps with this as well. And all of the other worship leaders, those guys write incredible music, and they love Jesus, the band tonight. So proud of you guys. You all love Jesus. You're all under 30. You love Jesus, giving your life to him. You're writing original music. It's amazing to be a part of it. I love it. Um, one thing that I feel like God gave me years ago, because I'm a disciple of bill, if you will, is to have a vision. And uh, the vision for the rock music is to love God, um, to bless the saints, and to win the lost. And what that means is all of your worship leaders, I want them to love the Lord, uh, heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And I want them to bless the church. I want them to build up the body and be committed in small groups and be committed to this local church. And I want their music to be so excellent that people who don't know Jesus might come into church and hear the music and be like, my goodness, that guy really sings with passion or that gal really sings with passion. They really must believe what they're singing about. And by God's grace, I think that has happened. My heart is to have the best bands in the world come out of the local church. Amen. That's my heart. That's what I want. The best bands in the world to come out of the local church. Here's some highlights from 2023. Uh, God is doing so much with this ministry behind the scenes. Uh, we've had an opportunity in the last couple of years to partner with some publishing companies and distribution companies and record labels out of Nashville. And uh, we've been very blessed by those relationships. They love Jesus very much and they're passionate about what God is doing in Utah. As you know, Utah is the least evangelical state in the country. Less than 3% of the people in the state of Utah believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior according to how the Bible would say. And we are on mission to write music for Jesus so that people could see what God is doing in Utah and hopefully win the entire LDS faith to Christ. Mm. Part of that is we were asked by Worship Leader Magazine, doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's the largest Christian music publication in the United States to write an article on loving our LDS neighbors. That was great. I pray every year for over 10% of growth. That's what I ask God. Lord, can you give us 10% of growth? He really answered it this year. Over 325,000 streams, that's a 72% increase. 65,000 listeners, that's a 139% increase on Spotify. We released 10 new songs, including seven on the EP, The Future Is Sure. Mm -hmm. We tallied almost 50,000 streams on Apple Music, almost 85,000 YouTube views. That's up 87% this last year. Let It Worship M28 Faith Conference, that was great. We also hosted some outreach concerts with Holvey, the hip-hop artist. There's another band that came through, the Grave Havens, Grey Havens, Antoine uh, Bradford. Just a lot of great things happening with music. Here's the deal. I want God to take any talent that I have and use it for him. And that's the heart of the musicians. And I think he's doing it in this church. And church, I'm so proud of you guys worshiping the Lord so loudly, singing. It's not about a performance. It's about connecting with Jesus. And your musicians and your worship leaders love him. I do want to also point out one really awesome thing that's happening even next week. We have three incredible youth bands, guys. They are so awesome. So awesome. They're so much better than I ever dreamed of being 14, 15, 16 years old, just shredding on the guitar for Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> Next week, we're going to have a youth band lead us for the weekend in worship. And it's going to blow your mind, guys. They're all, they're all just young men and women, and they're passionate for Jesus. And we're going to do that throughout the year with our youth bands as well. It is an honor 
to be a part of this church for the last 20 years to sing songs for Jesus, to make songs for Jesus, and it's an honor to do it with you guys. So really excited about what God's done. It's amazing. I love you. You too. Amen. We are so blessed by our musicians. Um, those guys, they all, most of them, I mean, I think how many, five of our eight pastors were professional musicians or, and, you know, I think at one point we were going to have t-shirts printed that said, I quit, I quit my band to join the rock, Amen. I think. And that's what happened, man. These guys, good musicians draw good musicians. That, that's what we've learned. So these guys are so good, and they're drawing other musicians. So praise God for what God did in 2023. Amen. Let's go on. The next key to success. First, we remember our past. We look back. Now we're going to talk briefly about the present. Uh, Jesus gave us a job to do. So right in the present, there's something we should be doing, and that is to be a witness. To be a witness. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power, Jesus speaking to you and me and to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my what? You'll be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. A witness is, think of a witness on a stand. All you have to do as a witness is tell what you know. That's it. You don't have to learn a bunch of stuff. You don't have to memorize. You just have to tell, what did you see? What do you know? How did it go? What, what was your observation? So a witness for Christ is just simply telling people how Jesus has changed my life. That's what it means to be a witness. You don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to take some huge evangelism course. You just tell people how Jesus has affected you. And we are all called to do that. That is the job that we've been called to do. And I like what Pastor James Boyce says. A non-witnessing Christian is a contradiction. I think that's true. God calls all of us. You say, well, I'm shy. Well, I get that, but still, can't you just, if you were put on a witness stand, you'd have to say something. Just tell people how Jesus has changed your life. Here's the deal. Your real job is the gospel. Your day job pays the bills. We believe that. Every believer, your real job is to share the gospel. You work just to pay the bills. We're involved in the gospel. That's what God calls us to. And I love the story in the late 1800s of D.L. Moody, American evangelist. He was so successful that a group of clergy from England flew over or came over on a ship or whatever in the 1800s and met with him in New York in his apartment. And they wanted to find out what was the key to his success as an evangelist, how he was growing the church and seeing so many people come to know Christ. And they asked him that, said, Mr. Moody, how are you able to see so many people come to know Christ? And Mr. D.L. Moody said, gentlemen, I would like you to look out the window. So they were looking out the window over Central Park in New York. And he says, tell me what you see. And they began to say, well, I see a pond. I see ducks. I see trees. I see some people walking around. I see a bench there. And they turned back to D.L. Moody, and he was, had tears streaming down his face. And they said, Mr. Moody... What's wrong? What, what is it you see? And he said, I see countless thousands of souls that will one day spend eternity in hell if they do not find the Savior. See, in the present, he knew his job was to be a witness because people are on their way to hell. And we need to stand at the, at the gates of hell and redirect traffic. That's what God's called us to do. We have a job to do, and ultimately it's about people. And just like Steele mentioned, in Utah we have a unique opportunity because these aren't our statistics. These are the Salt Lake Trib demographic statistics that they print every year about religious affiliation in the state of Utah, and less than 3% would, would affiliate as a born-again, Bible-believing, evangelical Christian, less than 3%. And so there's a good chance that a lot of that 97% don't know the historic, biblical, true Jesus. And that breaks my heart. But that means we have a job to do, don't we? <laughs> if we doubled every church in the valley, gospel-preaching church in the valley, then we'd be up to 6%. Woo, big deal. 6%. If we doubled every church, we got a big job to do. We need to be witnesses. And I believe God's doing something new. I believe God's doing something new in Utah. I think he's doing something new at our church. Men and women, uh, about four weeks ago, my wife collects the, the, uh, the bulletins that people fill out at the Connections booth. She gets those and sends them crumble cookies. 
And uh, one weekend, we had 17 people fill out, families fill out the new attender back of the bulletin. Fill it out. Those are, that doesn't count the people who were afraid to fill it out, which I totally understand. 17 people filled them out, took them to the connections, and turned them to 17 families. You, you, do you realize that's not normal? Do you, if you, do you not understand that most churches don't get 17 families? If they get 17 families in a year, they're happy. That was one weekend. God's doing something new here. He's bringing lots of people. And maybe the people sitting next to you need to hear you be a witness and love on them and tell them about Jesus because God's bringing people, men and women, God's bringing people right here. Right here, he's bringing them in. So let's be aware. You know, I, we get lots of different emails. I just wanted to read a couple that are encouraging. I was just, I have a folder that's called Bullseye. This is what we're all about. This is what we're looking for. Somebody wrote my wife after she sent them the email saying, your cookies, oh, they got their cookies and they were thanking my wife because she set it up. She said, we've been Christians for a while. This was a couple. We've been Christians for a while and been looking for the right church for the Lord. The rock is a place for us, exclamation point. We, we, have, we actually have attended over a dozen churches in the valley trying to find the one that meets our needs. We have a personal relationship with Jesus, and the rock fills our cup with his word. And we're both getting baptized this Saturday at 6 p.m. Here's another one. Hi, this is from a new attender. Hi, I've never felt so loved or accepted at a church before. Thank you for connecting with me. My first time was great. Pastor Steele was so great and accepting. I would love to have the Rock Church be my new home, and I will do the necessary work to become a member. I mean, that's, that's the attitude right there. You're going to become a member. We don't stress membership too much. If you come, you're a part. Okay, you're a member. Uh, I'll sign the paperwork and bring it with me. So they're ready to go. God is up to something new, men and women. And we have a job to do right now in the present, and that's to be a witness. Let's go to our last section. We've looked at the past and the present. Now let's look to the future. In the future, what God's called us to do, Jesus has one command for us to reach the world with the gospel. That's why we're on world mission. Here's what he told us. Right before he ascended into heaven, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of some of the nations. Is that what he said? No, 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 no. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Make Christ followers of all the nations. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I commanded you, which includes go and make disciples of all the nations. He just taught them that. Now he's telling them, you got to teach them that. That's the wind built sin. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Which translates for us, I believe if we win Utah, we're going to reach the world. And I'm not joking about that. I believe if Utah flips for Jesus, if we turn that pink into aqua or turquoise or whatever color that is, <laughs> if, we turn, if we flip that, then the entire world's going to take notice and go, well, wait a minute, I thought that whole state believed in Jesus. And somebody's going to have to say, well, we thought we did too, but here's what we realize now. It's through faith, by grace, not by works. Amen. If we flip Utah, we reach the world. I'm telling you, men and women, this is what God's called us to do. In our little world, one life at a time, one world in our lifetime. So this is where we're headed. God will do amazing things at the Rock, I believe, this year. So what's he going to do? Again, some bullet points. Um, a lot of things we do from year to year, we're going to do it again. S spring semester small groups, get involved in the small group. They start February 5th. Romans series continues to the end of May. We, we're spending a whole year in Romans. It'll pick it up again next week. Easter is going to be March 31st. So be prepared for that. Bring people. As you saw on our beautiful chart and graph, people want to come at Easter. Be inviting your friends to come at Easter. Mother's Day, Father's Day, all church camp out May 31st through June 2nd. Put that on your calendar. You don't want to miss that. That is so much fun, and they do such a good job. DTC, which is our high school leadership conference, July 25th through 28th, and da da da, -da this year is our 25-year anniversary as a church this, this fall. I believe... 
I believe it was actually um, official grand opening was October 17th, 1999. And so we're going to celebrate. We're going to party hard this year. We have a big budget for our 25-year anniversary. If anybody, you go, oh, I would love to be a part of that planning committee, come talk to me. I, I, we don't do committees here, but I'm going to do one on this. I want to have your input. I want a lot of people helping. Uh, we want to do it big. We want to celebrate like it's 1998, okay? We just want to celebrate, okay? We're going to do that. So 25-year anniversary coming up in the fall. Contact me, if you, seriously, if you want to help. Rocktoberfest is going to be October 25th. Halloween's on a Thursday, which really makes it weird for us because you can't do it on the Friday like we normally do. So we're going to do it the Friday before. We'll make it work. Uh, men's and women's events, including ladies' night, men's night. Meet the pastors. Uh, Mental health matters. The creation class are still going on. Um, and here's the new initiative that I'm excited to share with you tonight. This is your opportunity to get involved. We are kicking off a capital campaign tonight. Now, this isn't just, uh, this isn't one of our massive where we have really do it, you know, we really try to get people involved. We have meetings with people. Now, this is a soft ask campaign. Now, I told you, we don't talk about much, much about money, but when we have a need, we tell you. I'm telling you about a need right now. Uh, we have a goal. We have three goals with this capital campaign that, that you can be involved in kicking off tonight. Now, if you're thinking, oh, here it is. You know, the first time I visited The Rock and they're talking about money. Yes, I am. But did you see how much money we gave away? We don't care about money except that it helps win people to Christ. And we think this is going to help us win more people to Christ. So we're, we're calling it Imagine the Possibilities campaign. It's a mini campaign. I'm going to lay it all out for you financially right here so you'll understand what we're about. There's three different goals or projects. First thing is we want to kill or destroy the debt on this building. I'll show you how much we owe right now. We want to, at the end of the year, I want to be able to stand up here about this time next year and say, we did it. We're out of debt. We don't even have a mortgage payment anymore on this building. And that will be paying off millions of dollars in less than 10 years. It'll be paid off. And we believe we can do that. We also want to put a new patio outside on the entire west side of the building where that grass is really hard to grow and it gets muddy and kids are all getting dirty. We're going to stamp concrete all throughout that. We want to put some pole. I'm going to show you some pictures in just a second. So we also want to upgrade this auditorium. This auditorium was not built for what we're doing. This was supposed to be the youth auditorium. And then we have a second addition that we're going to put on the north lawn. That may still happen, but when... Prices for construction started going like this, and we started getting quotes of four or five million dollars for an auditorium. It was like, oh, dude, I don't think we can. Do, I don't think we should do that. That's just too much money. But I think we have a way to do it for way less than that. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. So we need to upgrade this auditorium. Uh, the sound is really difficult here, and we want to put a sound treatment, which is very expensive, on the ceiling. We want to get arrayed line array speakers that make it so much better. I'm going to talk about all that right now. So I'm going to be very honest with you about where we're at financially. We owe $1.4 million on our building right now, which really isn't too bad because some of your houses are worth more than that, I know. Okay, I have Zillow, okay? Um, this is our land. Actually, this was our land. We bought three acres. Can you believe this? This was a bunch of years ago. It cost us $1.4 million to buy three acres. That's how, and that was a good price. But we paid all that off right away. We did a fundraiser and we paid that off. So the land is paid for. We spent $2.6 million on this building in 2014. We built this building in 2014. It cost $2.6 million. We owe $1.14 million today. So we paid that down quite a bit. So right now we owe $1.14 million. Uh, our property value, which is very interesting right now, uh, Brent checked into it. This property, the land and building, is worth $5.5 million, which means we have $1.5 million in equity, which means when we thought, you know, we should stop throwing the money, money away on rent. That was a good decision. <laughs> a $1.5 million decision over 10 years. We haven't spent on rent. We've invested in land and property, and God has blessed that. So I want you to keep your eye on this. This is what we want to kill. This is the first project. Kill the debt. So how are we going to do that? Um, we have $1.14 million in debt. Um, so we want to get rid of that, but we also want to do two other things. We want to add that patio and estimates. I think we can go lower than this, but if, if we contribute and we work, it's about 75K. It, concrete is really expensive right now. 
to do that whole side. And it's going to be an amazing thing. Let me, you say, what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to show you. Here's some conceptual drawings from Austin Fredrickson. Uh, this is what it would look like. We have some wind sails and some lights and we have patio and we're going to have flower boxes and um, it is going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be what we call a third space where we can spill out when the weather's a little nicer and we can just hang out there. It'll be a wonderful space for us, especially as we're growing. Um, we're excited about this. We really are. And Josh met with a landscape architect this week to, get, uh, to have them start giving us some quotes. Uh, but it, it's going to be a wonderful place to hang out. As you know, I mean, in the summertime, it's so good, especially Saturday night, just to be out there and chilling out with each other. Again, so this is the, this is the second project that we want to accomplish if we all join together and help raise the money to kill the debt and to have a patio outside. Third thing we want to do is upgrade the sound. So uh, I want to nerd you out on some, um, some professional sound engineers that we have paid to come into this room when nobody else is here and set up microphones and paint this room to tell us what's wrong with this room. How can we improve this room? And here's what they came up with. If you can look at the top, this is what existing system looks like, which means um, this is where it's really loud right here. In the, the corners, it's green, and so you're not getting anything there, and it's, just, it's not distributed very well. This is what we want. It's going to take line array speakers. So I just want to say right now, you guys right here in the middle, I, I, I have some earplugs here, so I just want to <laughs> help you guys. Earplug, you, right here, it's so loud for you guys, I understand that. These guys work so hard, I need to tell you that. Uh, we work really hard to manage the sound. There's a, there's a laptop back there right now reading DBs throughout the room. We have mics throughout to keep it. It's lower than most churches have. I know you don't believe that, but the DBs are lower than most churches. And you can go, yeah, I know you're laughing. Go check out the computer. It, computers don't lie, amen? So, we, so, but we want, we can do better. So we're going to upgrade the system. We're going to do it with the right speakers, and we're getting some good prices on speakers. So the total need would be $1.3 million to kill our debt, build the patio, and treat this room to make it sound so much better for our musicians. But here's, you can say, well, that's a lot of money. It is, but, and, and you can say, oh, that's the bad news. Well, here's some good news. We knew this was coming. So for the last four years, we've been saving money. We've been putting away in savings as a church. So not only are we giving away a quarter million dollars a year, we're putting money away. And we have saved a bunch of money to help kill this $1.3 million. We have saved almost three-quarters of a million dollars in savings. And that doesn't count our emergency fund for three months. So we have that money sitting there. We'll apply it. Yes. So on $1.3 million, we're, we're going to instantly put $700,000 down and start paying that off. And then somebody found out about this campaign a sweet, generous family in our church, and they gave us a check for $49,000 to help with this campaign recently. So all that to say is actually what we need to raise is, is $564,000. And my house is worth more than that, way more than that. And I don't have a great house. It's just what things are. So really, that's doable to pay off our debt, get the patio, and get a sound upgrade. By the end of 2024, how's that going to happen as we finish up here? How can you help? Because it, it'll take all of us. But we can do, this is so stinking doable with a church our size. Um, you go to this, write this down, or just remember, trc.life forward slash imagine. Imagine the possibilities. Go to this webpage. It'll show you how you can be a part, how you can give. Okay? And make sure that you are being wise with your finances. Don't give if it's going to kill your family and kill your, just be wise. There's resources on the back of your page. Listen to those messages about being wise financially, okay? We don't want anybody to feel indebted or feel like you're way over your head. Apply faith, yes. Don't do anything stupid, okay? Don't do anything. We trust the Lord. We'll take care of us. So I looked up. If you got a 20-ounce, whatever that is, Vente at Starbucks, a caramel macchiata every day, um, that would be more than $4.75 a day. If our committed families, our committed families in this church gave four, just the family, your whole family together, scraped together $4.75 a day. That's $145 a month. We would do it all. We'd pay off our debt, get the patio, and get the sound. $145 a month for every committed family in this church. Some will do more. Some just gave us $50,000.
Some will do less. Some, you can't do anything. That's fine. We're trusting the Lord, but we want to break it down for you so you see what it is. To me, I go, oh, man, I can do that. I hope you're thinking the same thing. Let's do this. Let's get out of debt. Let's build the patio. Let's get this sound sounding incredible in here. Okay, let's do that. That's our goal for this year. That's, that's the pitch. Now, we'll remind you of it once in a while, but we want you to join us. We want you to be a part of it. I love what C.T. Studd said. He said, some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's what we're all about here at The Rock. You can help us this year. By the way, our mortgage payment is $14,000 a month. That's what we pay for this building. Wouldn't that be nice just to be done with that? We can be done with that in little less than little less than 12 months if we all chip in, if we all work. Go to that website. So I want you to join us. Go to that website. Join us. Let's do this together. Amen? Amen. And, and God will do amazing things this year. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Josh said I was going to go 50 minutes, and there I did it right there, 50 minutes. But it was good. It was awesome, Lord. We're so excited about what you've done, where we're at, and where we're going. Thank you. You've given us something to live for beyond ourselves, even as a church, that we can live and help people outside of our church so much. Thank you that we can be a part of the Imagine the Possibilities campaign and kill our debt and build that patio so that we can invite and have more hospitality with people and have the most amazing sound in this room that we can possibly have. I thank you for that. And I thank you for this opportunity to do it together. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. God bless you guys.